0: Uh if you are a guest with us tonight, welcome. Uh I'm Mark, and along with my wife Kara, we're the lead pastors here at Impact Rock. And uh as we get situated here, a little taller, nice and tall. There we go. We're excited about what the Lord's doing. And we're excited that, that we as as his people we get to come together. We get to set our eyes on Jesus. And, and praise Him and grow in Him. And uh, God's doing something exciting, not just you know in this church and in this community, but in our lives. Uh, as we sit and, and talk with each other and fellowship with each other and hear the stories of the things that God's doing, He's not sleeping. He's at work. He's moving in our lives. All He needs is an openness. All He needs is... Is a willingness to let him do his thing. Uh, give him an inch, and he'll take a mile. Um, and that's what the Lord wants in our lives—just a willingness. And so, um, as we as we are about to to dive into His Word, let's just take a second and pray, uh, and just just yield to Him and, and just say, "Lord, we set our eyes on You, and and say that You're the boss." Okay. Lord, we love you. And it's not uh, a random chatter that we do when we stand up here, Lord. We get up here and lift up the name of Jesus. We look to you, Lord Jesus. Not to self or circumstance, not to a book with empty words, but to your word, which is life and truth. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do a work in us where you guide us into the truth of Jesus Christ and you change our lives. And, and that's what we want, Lord. We don't want to leave here the same we walked in here. We want to leave here sharpened and encouraged and strengthened. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Uh, Lord, as an act of my will, I just yield to you. And Lord, I ask that it not be my words that are heard or remembered or impacting, but let it be your words. And do that awesome thing that you do, Lord, where that you personalize this for each one of us. Lord, let each one of us leave here tonight Deacon, this word was custom-tailored for us, Lord. And then stir in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, Lord God. Stir us to action. Lord, your action. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Romans 8 tonight, and we're not leaving Romans 8. And... Um, I think the reason I kind of got—I I love Romans eight. I love Romans. It's my favorite book of the Bible, um, and Romans eight is is a good one. It's a good chapter out of out of a good book. But Kara preached out of Romans eight uh, a few weeks back, and and so when I heard her sermon, I'm like, "Ooh, that's a good sermon," and um, and so then I started studying and you know going through the scriptures, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's a really good chapter," and so that's kind of been my default chapter. Um, and spending time with the Lord lately. That and Romans 12. Um, so, Romans 8 and Romans 12 are just going to kind of come out at you as long as I'm making those my default chapters. Um, I'm not preaching on it tonight directly, but one thing that God has just strongly put on my heart, and you're just going to be hearing in the coming weeks, is it has to be His adoration. That we desire, His admiration that we desire, His affection that we desire. Well, we say it every day and week. We set our eyes on Jesus. We set our eyes on Jesus. We look to Him. It has to be. It has to be Him. We got a question before we we jump in. What is the opposite of focusing on God? I imagine the the large majority of the room has the right answer right now, and for those of you who don't have the right answer, i 'll do that teacher thing and say there are no wrong answers, which is total bull because there's plenty of wrong answers, right? I mean you know not every answer is right, but you know it makes us feel better about ourselves because by golly, we all have a right answer. Um, what is the opposite of focusing on god let 's look at Romans eight five and six. And I'm going to be reading tonight from the Message Bible um, because I love the way it just breaks it down and just makes this passage just so easy to grasp. So we're going to read Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never getting around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust in God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious free life. So here's here's the answer to the question that I asked in, in the next part. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. I like that last part. God is not pleased with being ignored. And you know what? We should not be pleased with God being ignored. We should not be pleased with God being ignored. Did you see how quickly in this passage we move from being self-sufficient to self-absorbed? We move from being self-sufficient to self-centered. By doing what? By just making ourselves the focus. By making ourselves the center The center of our attention, the center of our focus, the consuming thing of our time. Being sufficient is a good thing, right? I mean, being self-sufficient isn't isn't a bad thing. Up to a point. I mean, I'm raising three kids, and I want them, up to a point, to be self-sufficient. I do. Dad, I'm hungry. Awesome. There's the fridge. There's the pantry. Knock yourself out, kid. Don't use the sharp knife. Use the dull one. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I want them to be self-sufficient. You know, I, I don't want to go pick out their clothes. I, yeah. Girls, go, go pick out your clothes. So to an extent, God wants the same thing for us. He, he, doesn't, you know, he wants us to be able to, to walk in confidence knowing who we are in Him. But that point stops when our focus is ourself, and there's one of two ways that I think, you know, we we as people struggle the most in that. One of those ways is by having our attention on ourself and thinking, uh, I'm a bum, I'm a dog, I'm worthless, I'm damaged goods, I have nothing to offer. I don't want any attention on me. I don't want any focus on me. Because I'm not worth a darn. That is still focus on self. That is still focus on self. And it, it's ironic. Because most of the time, that's that's not the intention. But when our eyes are on ourself our self, or on worthiness, or our sin, or our hurt, or any of these things, and not redirected to Christ... That is a self-centered mindset, and then there's another set. I don't, you know, I don't know how prevalent this is, but it's, I'm the man, you know. God is lucky to be to have me leading His kingdom. You know what? I want to be. I'm on the front row because I'm, you know, I'm a stud. I'm awesome, you know. And and that might be hyperbole, but it might be. Yeah, you know. I I know I'm gifted. I know I'm talented. I know I have strengths and and God needs me out there doing it all. Cuz if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done. Do you do you see where that where that line is? And I know that line cuz I was never I was never really on this side. But you know, I grew up in the church. I was a good kid. You know, I didn't do the real bad sins early on. You know, of course, the real bad sins. You know, we like to label the sins. This one's not so bad. This one's really bad. They're all bad. They all lead to death. But I was that guy. I'm, I'm sitting there going, yeah, I know God died for for my sister because she's <laughs> jacked up. But, but, you know, for me, he just kind of sort of died because I'm a pretty good kid. You know, where the, we we're like... Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I understand his grace is awesome, but I kind of earned it too. You know, I, I'm serious. I, I didn't have a full understanding of his grace, and I had this thought that that I need to be doing, you know, all I can because although it's not about me, it kind of is about me because because someone's got to do it, and it. It's got that's that's a self focused mindset, and what happens in the day? At the end of the day. We go to bed going, either I didn't do enough, I didn't do enough. Or we go to bed going, man, I, I did it all, I'm the man. Thank God he's got me. And I'm, in, I'm just being real. I had that type of mindset up until I fell. Up until I walked away from the Lord. And I tell people this all the time. Once I, once I got into college and I played football in college and I ended up walking away from football in college when I rededicated my life because I was not capable at that time in my life of serving God and playing football because football was all about me. And I wasn't capable of doing both. I, 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 so I, I had to walk away from football, transfer to a Christian college that did not have a football team. And that's where I graduated from. Why? Because I, I needed to die to self. I was self-centered. I was self-focused. The things I did were to please me. The things I surrounded myself with were to bring me joy or acknowledgement or whatever. And I battled pride. I thought I was the man. I did. I didn't just think I was the man. I knew I was the man. I had proof I was the man. Let me break it out. Here, you hold this book, you hold this book, you hold this book. We'll start with you, and we'll finish with you. We'll take a lunch break, and then I'll break out some more books. You know? Now, I point that out because that was sin I was involved in, that pride. And I don't mind it sounding ugly, because it, it is. But when we are so focused on ourselves that we don't acknowledge a God who heals and brings life and saves and delivers and breaks the chains of bondage that is just as ugly. And it's just as much as about ourselves is that, that cocky, prideful example I used over here. It is not about us. Either we're going to focus on God or we're going to focus on self. Very few people focus on Satan. I mean, you know, they're called Satanists and you know, they're a small percentage. But very few of us focus on on Satan. We focus on God, we focus on self. Verse seven said, Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing and God isn't pleased at being ignored. How often are we guilty of focusing on our own actions or our own capabilities or our own sustenance than God's? How often do we quickly make a decision what we can and cannot do based on what we are capable of or what we have at our resources. I'm not gifted in that area. I can't really talk about Jesus because I'm not. I'm not much of a talker. I, I stutter and I, and I don't really know the word. And so, surely that's got to be someone else who called to that. Uh, it's just you know I'd love to do it, but Lord, I just can't. That's just not me. There's an awful lot of eyes, capital eyes, in that sentence. You know what, you know, Bible college, We you know what seminary I went to? I went to the same one Peter went to. The one that doesn't exist. My degree is in graphic design. Peter didn't have a degree. He was a fisherman. And that's who God called. That's who Jesus said is the rock. That's what, you, you are the rock that this, that this church is going to be built upon. Because you're bold and you're raw and you're repentant and you love me. I, I could just imagine Peter, you know, just going to talk and he's like, Yeah, I. He's. Jesus, come here. Jesus, you guys, this is him. And then Peter just sits down and goes, You got something, Lord? And we don't do anything different than that. Jesus. Jesus. Now, and how do we do it? Because you know, he's not going to stand up there and talk. But what I can sit there and say, this is the one who, who brought healing to my life. Hey, you, you know I was broken. And I, I'm a different person. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because of Jesus. It, it's the same thing. Point to Jesus and get out of the way. You know what? I don't know. I don't know a darn thing about the Bible. You know, I I can quote John three sixteen. Okay, I can't even quote John three sixteen, but I know John three three sixteen is a scripture. I'm pretty sure. But I can tell you about Jesus because I can tell you that he made a difference in my life. Now, I've talked about two different extremes, but there's everything in between every single one of us are faced with the challenge of what do we focus on? Are we going to focus on God or are we going to focus on self? And the opposite of focusing on God is focusing on self. Verse 9 says this. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. So, if we're still limited by sin, how are we living life on God's terms? If we still have all the limitations of sin, how are we living life on God's terms? Well, what are God's terms? What are God's terms? God sent his son Jesus to set the terms. What are those terms? Grace, forgiveness, healing, saving. When we look in the New Testament and it talks about we were saved, that word, soza, is translated as saved, healed, delivered. We who identify with Christ. Who have welcomed him? Now, I love how that says that. You guys, there's no hoops to jump through. There's no uh, course, obstacle course of penance that we have to do that includes crawling through grass and rolling in mud, and then you take the ultra, you know, prison shower, you know, to get, you know, no, we, we welcome him. We welcome him and say, ah, I, I believe that you've got something more for me than what I have for me. And I say yes. But we say yes to his terms. We live life according to his terms. Not helpless and bound to sin. But but this is a world we live in. If we further read this passage, we talk about celebrating the good things through Christ and then walking out the hardships in Christ. And even makes references, if Jesus died on a cross died for our sins and experienced death. You know We can identify with His death, but we identify with His life. To live life on God's terms, we must look to Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. What is that work of the cross? It was Jesus who was without sin, paying the price for each one of our sins. Sin. Someone's got to pay for the sin. You know, God is a just God. He is. He's a just God, and someone's got to pay for the sin. But Father, I say yes to your plan to let me pay for their sins, and that's what Jesus did when He hung on that cross. He paid for our sins. We we sing a lot about the blood of Jesus. We talk about the blood of Jesus. Heck, our logo represents the blood of Jesus. And maybe if you don't know the Lord at all, it seems gory. But I guess since it's kind of near Halloween, it's okay to talk about blood, right? But we can talk about the blood of Jesus every week. Because it was that blood, the shedding of that blood, that washed away our sin. Not one drop of His blood was shed in vain. And not one wound that he suffered was done so against his will. He could have stopped it at any time, but he was yielded and surrendered. No one took his life except that he laid it down. so the Word tells us. So we've got to look to Jesus, and we've got to look to the work of the cross. But once we have welcomed him, we've got to go through the cross, and see the empty tomb and know and be aware that He is alive and that that is how we have life. I love, Paul says in the Word, he's like, if Jesus didn't die, if He, if he didn't uh, raise from the dead, if He's still dead and He's not alive, then we are fools and this is all a big charade and we are wasting our time if He is not alive. But He is alive. We go through the cross to that empty tomb, realizing he is alive. And in that, that's when we live life on his terms. Verse 11 says it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he surely does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be alive as Christ's. What what does God have for us? He doesn't just have a catechismic, task-oriented life for us. There's nothing we can do to earn more of God's love. There's not. I don't care how much we do for Him. He doesn't love me more than He loves you just because I'm the pastor. And he doesn't love me anymore than, than the most lost of the lost. He wants us to have an alive life. A life that's that's full of passion for him. I sleep like a baby at nights. So you know why? Because it ain't about me. I can't save nobody. I can't. I can't save anybody. Jesus saves. I can't heal anybody. He is the healer. Now, I'll, But I'll talk to people about Jesus and give Him the opportunity to save. I'll lay hands on the sick and give Him the opportunity to heal. And when that happens... I told you I played college football. I played high school football. College played defense. I never scored a touchdown in college. But in high school, I scored a touchdown. and That felt awesome. You know, the crowd, you know, and that felt great. And that feeling pales in comparison to the feeling when I can lead someone to Jesus. And I can point them to Jesus and I see that their life has changed. I'll take that every time. Why? Because the, touch, the touchdown was great and it made me feel good about me. I don't want to feel good about me. I want to feel good about him. I want to feel good about him, the life that I have in him, that he is the focus, the attention. He's the one that I look to for admiration, for approval, for acceptance. I want to please my daddy. Now, there's lots of ways for us to set our attention on ourselves. Hey, I understand I understand failure, I understand blowing it. I understand feeling like a bum and like a dog. I understand that. I understand falling short and, and going, man. That thing I wish I didn't do, I did again. I, I understand that but we still can't set our, fo- our focus on ourself. You know, if you're in that place, you cannot say, well, when I turn my life around, then I can be used for him. Wrong. He wants to, he, he wants to touch you and heal you now because it's not about you or how worthy or deserving you are. See, the, the cocky, prideful example I used over here you know, I somehow felt I had earned a good part of it because of all I did for the Lord. It ain't about me. But over on this end over here, it's like I can't receive his grace because I haven't earned it. It's not about you. And anywhere in between. What's the opposite of focusing on God? Focusing on self. I'm 41, so thank God I don't make uh, as many of the childish mistakes I made when I was younger. And some between like high school and college and young adulthood, I made lots of stupid mistakes. I made up for it. That was good in high school. I was a moron in college. We set our eyes on Him. If you are a believer and you've welcomed Jesus into your life, He wants to use you right now. You know what's crazy? When I was in college and I was playing football and I was totally living for self and just partying and living just a debaucherous lifestyle, one time our star defensive end hurt his knee and we're getting ready for the playoffs. I'm like, oh, crap. So I went over there and I was at practice and I said, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. And I laid hands on him and God healed his knee. And I went and got drunk to celebrate. Woo! Why did God do that? Because it ain't about me. Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that amazing? (laughs) I think that's amazing. How much more so will he use me when he is the center of my attention? When he is the center of my affection? This message comes with a call to action. Here's the call to action. Here's the part where we take responsibility to do something. For some of us, it might be to repent. And repentance is a beautiful thing. It's not this heavy-handed thing. Repentance is to rethink. To re- renew our minds to Him. This is what I thought about it, but Lord, You, you show me it's that I was missing the mark. So Lord, I set my attention on you and I, I allow my mind to be renewed by you. And I say yes to your way of thinking, to your way of doing things. And whether it's the feeling of unworthiness or the feeling of pride and everything in between. Friends, let's, let's be quick to Repent. And to say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. I mentioned I sleep like a baby because it ain't about me. I do what I can. But it's about him. So repentance, that's a call to action. The most powerful call to action is if you're here tonight and you've never welcomed him into your life. You've never said yes to him. Here's what the Word says. Here's here's what salvation is. If you believe in your heart, if you believe that He loves you, that He paid the price for your sin, that you don't have to pay the price. It's been paid for you. If you believe that He is alive and that He has a better life for you and you say yes to His plan, you welcome Him into your life, say yes, Lord. Then you are saved the Bible says if you confess with your heart if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you'll be saved but, but that's the simple you know if you believe and just say yes there's not a prayer I could lead you in that would make you saved it's about you believing in your heart and saying yes to him now I have lots of prayers that I can lead people in it ain't about the prayer it's about him it ain't about this church it's about him It ain't about my strengths. It's about Him. It ain't about my weaknesses. It's about Him. This is definitely one of those messages where I'm just ultra, ultra repetitive. And that's a good thing. I want you to leave here and if you run into someone on the street and they say, what did the preacher preach about tonight? I want it abundantly clear. It's about Him. It's about Him.